0: What is going on, guys? We are back for another episode of the Blue Crew Podcast, episode 46. And we are going to completely ignore the West Brom result at the weekend. And we're just going to act like Thomas Tuchel is still undefeated after Chelsea's glorious 2-0 away leg um, of the Champions League quarterfinal. Our first quarterfinal since 2014. Not a bad way to go about it either. I am joined by two extremely happy for once um, in the last week, co-hosts Luca Foley and Oliver OJ-Jones. How are you both doing?
1: I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm feeling yeah. very, very happy.
2: Yeah, I'm also quite quite pleased. Uh, I've forgotten the West Brom game. I've erased that from my memory. We're in the Champions League quarterfinal and we just won 2-0 in the first leg, so... Back
1: still to being happy, I guess. Yeah, exactly. We're
0: still undefeated with 11 men. So, Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And um, we're going to use the excuse that we aren't in uni, so we can't use the facilities, to excuse why we didn't record after West Brom. In reality, it was all completely down to Luca, who didn't want to record because he was in an absolute um, hissy fit after the game. Didn't want to record or anything. <laughs> kept on it was all Lucas. Not up for it. Sorry. me and OJ, the real hardcore Chelsea fans. None of this Chelsea winning all the time. Luca will be putting on his Man City shirt when we lose to them in a couple of weeks in the cup. <laughs> okay. not, not happening. We're happy. There's no need to cause this sort of division in the camp. Oh, yeah, what is this first quarter final since 2014? We got to the semis that year. Would you say that we have a Mason Mount-sized foot in the semi-final this year already?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think if it, it would have been a bit different if it was a 1-0 win. But because we got that crucial second goal, uh, I really think we've got a, a really good chance now of, of getting through. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting. Um, obviously, Porto going to get People like Oliveira and I think who's the other one, Teremi. Uh, yeah, there you go. Who have combined for like thirty-four goals or something uh, this season. Um, both of them are coming back, so it's very interesting to see how we're going to actually line up or um, and, and play for the second leg. But I'm I'm very happy with the result, and uh, I can't I can't wait to to get back. To Seville for the home away leg for the home away leg, yeah. What, once again,
0: leg. 100% record in Seville this season and that yep. kit as well in Seville.
2: Um,
0: yes. Yeah, would Luca, would you say just before I sort of ask you, gen, your general thoughts on the game, would you say that was a better result than it was performance?
2: Uh, whew. uh. I, I I think so. Yeah. I mean, you look at if you look at how we started early on, it was a bit. It was almost if you look at it, all all Porto really. We were under so much pressure in the first I don't know half an hour, forty minutes before Mason Mount scored, and it was it was it was certainly nerve wracking. They had a lot a lot of chances to put to maybe like to score maybe one or two two goals. And I think OJ said it on the group chat that he said, or was it was it I don't know if it was OJ or not. But somebody said that Porto do play really well but they're just not clinical enough which i thought was pretty accurate really and then once mason mount scored the the comp the sort of relief kind of uh came over me and thought right we've got this under control we're going to take the we're going to take the game by the scruff of the neck and hopefully put a few more passing but it stayed one nil for like another for, mo- for almost the, the rest mess. of the second half and then when bencio scored, that was such a massive relief Obviously, we know under Tuchel, we haven't been scoring many goals in games. I don't think we've scored more than two goals in a game under him, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So, it was certainly a relief. So, yeah, I would say that, yeah, I'd agree with what you said there.
0: Yeah, I think 100%. You know, a two, for two away goals, away from home, Champions League quarterfinal, after being comprehensively beaten, should we say, at the weekend... Um and all of this rudiger fighting everyone that moves in the changing rooms throughout the week and I'm like you know, what what you believe of that or what you think is important or not it doesn't really matter it's a big result, and I didn't think we weren't great let's be honest I don't think we were great it's a good I think the way it can be described is a mature European performance, but it wasn't it wasn't vintage it wasn't amazing we didn't pepper them they had double the amount of shots, I think the Mount shot was the only one we had in the first half. Somehow we managed to scramble a few in the second half, but there was a really good long shot and Chilwell's goal to add two of them. It wasn't amazing. Um, but you can't complain. I don't think you could complain um, about much. Um, yeah, it was just good to come away with a 2-0 win, right? Like, can we really complain? Should we be moaning about the fact that Havertz and Werner were so peripheral they may as well have been on the bench when Giroud came on? He hardly touched the ball either. In fact, I think Pulisic had more touches than Werner did and he played 25 minutes. I mean, there's no need to slander the... I say slander. There's no need to like dig them out after a good performance, yeah? But mm. you, when if this was a semi-final game and it was PSG or Man City or Dortmund or anyone... You can't get away with carrying players. And actually, I'm just going to keep going here. It wasn't like we were carrying them specifically because they just didn't get any service. Because once again, Porto did what West Brom did and what Sheffield United had done to us previously this season, is they pressed us high. They gave us space in behind. And not only did we not get the ball to Werner right once in behind, we stopped playing that ball after like one or two attempts. And then... We just started going long, waywardly. It was terrible, to be honest. It wasn't really like Havertz and Werner were doing much wrong. They just couldn't get in the game because we were kicking the ball long to them against Pepe. They're not going to win it.
2: Yeah, I mean, a couple of times that, Reese James tried to play that ball from the touchline, sort of curve it infield towards Werner. But I saw that like, fail two or three times. And after that, I don't think I saw it again. I mean, it's a good idea. It's something that can be worked on because it's quite an effective Way of getting the ball to him, sort of catching the defense out. But it was it was disappointing to see that a, a good potential route to getting the ball to Vernon was kind of failing, and I think that that didn't really help the situation. But yeah, the, Werner was very quiet today as was Havertz, which was disappointing. Yes,
1: yeah, so basically, uh,
2: yeah. Go on, OJ. You,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I was just about to say. Um, I think it's 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 strange. Like you were saying, Tom, just sort of just lobbing it long was a was a bit weird. It's it's just something we haven't seen under Tuchel yet. And it's it was almost like give the ball to Christensen and he'll find Reese James on the overlap. or uh, and, and just ping it try and ping it fifty yards and, and make a make a long ball that way, rather than sort of building the play up through like Jorginho and Kovacic and Mason Mount and it was just very strange I didn't really it didn't really make any sense to play like that with people like Werner and Havertz on the pitch who are good on the ball but can't win the ball in the air if that makes sense so I just thought it was very weird I didn't didn't I mean it worked a few times um But there were a lot of times where just the ball was either just a bad ball or it got intercepted really easily. Or like you said, Pepe's there to win a header. And it's just very, yeah, it wasn't something that I enjoyed watching, to be honest. It did. The first sort of 20, 25
0: minutes did remind me of the first 25 minutes of like the West Brom game, where I think Ziyech had a few chances to play a nice ball in behind... We'd caught them out a little bit, you know, We're in the transition, we were getting a chance here to to make something. And, and it's the final ball, like we always talk about, but in, in transition, rather than being on the edge of the box. And it was really frustrating because if I think back to the Liverpool game at Anfield, where every ball over the top was like, it was perfect. You can't get it right every time. But we were hitting Vernon, we were hitting Mount, and that was clearly the game plan. And I think both times against West Brom and last night against Porto, we were like, we weren't expecting to be pressed. We weren't expected to have to play that ball. So when it came to it, the ball was just really, really poor. Mm-hmm. So, like, if we go through the team, now nobody played terribly. It's harsh to say that Werner and Haberts didn't play well because they hardly touched the ball. And it wasn't their fault either. Yeah. But the defenders did a good job. We defended well. Like, Mendy <laughs> hardly had to make a, a good save, let's be honest. Like, I want to say
1: I, I say, I was going to say, I want to say Dave was insane yesterday. I thought he yeah. was really, really good. Some of the tackles he made in the penalty area were really good. Uh, he put in a load of key blocks. Um, yeah. Like Pepe had a chance, I think, in the first half. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was in the first half uh, off of a corner, and it just dropped to him. And you can see Azpilicueta's well eyes, like, tracking him, and you can see him there. And it's just like, he just knows always where to be in the right time. He's always there, and he's so key for that defence that I'm I'm really glad that he played. And I think he was really, really good last night. He was, and actually, I,
0: it was the first thing I saw on Twitter. I wasn't on during the game at all. And the first thing I went on, and I saw somebody, somebody said something about Dave, and he was that is costing us going forward that, like, it's not good enough. And I just replied and said, he's literally right centre-back in a back three that is defending at one, if not two-nil up in a Champions League quarter-final away from home. He's not billed as this progressive ball-playing (laughs) centre-back halfway up the pitch. He's he's an out-and-out defender. I was like, how can How can you say anything bad about that Azpilicueta performance? He's been brilliant. It's not down to Azpilicueta to play the flashy passes or dribble out of defence. Leave that to James. Leave that to Chilwell. Leave that to Christensen and Rudiger, who are both better on the ball. Leave it to Kovacic. Azpilicueta, I think it was the post from Liam Toomey said, Azpilicueta was near flawless defensively. And everyone else was like, what do you mean flawless? He was shite going forward. And I was like, I don't care what he was like going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's not like
2: he's... Yeah, it's not like he's back to what seventeen, eighteen when he was crossing those balls in for Morata from like the edge of the box. Like he doesn't do that anymore. He just stays behind the halfway line. That's what he should be doing. Like yes. he's never gonna, he's never gonna charge forward again. Like bless him, his legs are getting on a bit, so he's just gonna be sat back defending like he does, and he's really good at it. So forget Aspilaqueta going forward now for the rest of his however long he's left at Chelsea. Just let him defend and do what he's actually good at.
0: It's just, without going on the Twitter rant, it's just typical of sort of modern-day Twitter where it's like, let's focus on what a player can't do rather than what he can do. No player can do everything, you know? No player can do everything. Let's focus on the fact that he's an unbelievable defender when he plays like he did. And, you know, yeah, maybe he costs us going the other way a little bit as opposed to other, you know, 100 million centre-backs, but the guy was like 8 million eight years ago, you know? Like, we've got... Everything out of him. He's still playing. He's still rewarding us as a club. Nothing bad to say about him last night at all. He was. He was key. He was key. Yeah, hundred percent. Agreed. I mean, so going back, it's it's strange, isn't it? Because it was such a good result in such a good game. We're so happy, but there aren't a million positives here. We're trying to. It's. So we're probably looking at it slightly glass half empty here, but. Are there issues? Like, we didn't answer all the questions that people have from the weekend in terms of, like, we reacted, we bounced back, we showed a lot more backbone and better mentality than we did at the weekend. But Uh in terms of, like, playing through a press, we didn't exactly show that. Is that still a problem? It was Jorginho and Kovacic again. What did you think of their performance?
1: Definitely an improvement um us be honest. yeah um i i think kovacic again was the better of the two um i think if there was going to be a change for crystal palace it would be Jorginho out for Kante um if Tuchel's looking to uh swap that around um i don't think kovacic is the one to take out um yeah I mean, I don't really know what to say. I mean, it was just sort of an average performance, I suppose. It was just a bit better than what it was against West Brom. There wasn't much. I mean, Kovacic, I mean, in the second half against West Brom, we were talking about how he was dribbling the ball a lot better, progressing with the ball a lot better, making some good passes. And that's basically what he did against Porto. He ran with the ball fairly well. He made some passes. Jorginho turned around and passed back to his defence, doing what he normally does. So it's it's not necessarily anything to write home about, but it's not a terrible performance either. Um,
0: it's like they didn't do anything wrong, yeah, really. Like exactly. There was no big glaring mistakes like Christensen mm-hmm. and all the defenders. There was nothing wrong with it. But there wasn't also... we. And this is... We're not trying to be too harsh here, but there wasn't enough going the other way. Porto were very organised. Let's give them a lot of respect. But they also probably, we also probably didn't cause them enough problems through midfield, I guess. And we didn't build up enough. Yeah, However, yeah. there was a lot of quality in the goal.
2: A lot, there was, a lot
0: yeah. Of we kept the ball, the pass from Jorginho, is beautiful, he fizzes it in, it's an incredible turn from out and it's a brilliant finish as well. Yeah. And that, That is the quality that we do possess. And it's not winning ugly. Being able to win games like that in the quarterfinal when it matters, that's a huge positive, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, Porto were were very, very good. I mean, it it just shows how good they were that it took us half an hour to really get a hold in the game and create the first real opportunity. I mean, Jorginho passing forward was a sight to behold. I can't remember when he played a pass like that before. Into Mount and then... Mount just produces this absolutely stunning turn that just sends the defender, like, for a hot dog, really. Yeah. And he it just puts it past, and in his weaker foot as well, the finish, like, superb, like, fantastic. I mean, great from Jorginho. So, I mean, I'm happy with his performance. He didn't do anything wrong. It was competent, so it, it'll do. And Toon, of course, is a fantastic result to go into the second leg with.
0: Yeah, and I mean... If we can build up Kante's fitness, give him some minutes against Palace this weekend, he is gonna be huge for the second leg. He's a second <laughs> I was I was sort of joking last night and saying that Kante is a second leg merchant and he's not much more than that. But how how big is that? Like we aren't gonna get the money for Kante anymore because of his injuries and his age. Like the big summer was last summer, probably if we we're gonna sell him and get eighty million plus. For now, for the money that you'd get for Kante with his injuries, you've got to keep him because he, if you can get him fit for the big games, he is so good for the games that he can play. He has to be worth it for the, even if he only plays 20 games a season, for those 20 games, if you can keep him fit, he's going to be world, world class. We've seen it. He, he's a massive asset to this team when he's fit.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's like I said, um, if Tuchel's going to be playing him against crystal palace even if it's off the bench again uh just bringing him on for again another 25 minutes just to see how how he's running around um and seeing how well he how well he can do for those 25 minutes so that will definitely make his decision for wednesday or tuesday i think it's tuesday 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 um a lot easier uh if kante obviously turns up for palace um But yeah, Kante, we all know on his day, Kante's an absolutely incredible player. Um, Definitely one of the best in the squad. I don't think anyone has a a doubt in that, but, you know, it's just incredible work rate. And he's definitely someone that, like you said, Tom, I don't think we can sell now for a good price um, or at least what he probably should be worth. um, So, yeah.
0: Yeah, the fact that you're losing out on, you know, if a team's going to play, you know, I don't know how many games we might end up playing this season, could be nearly 60-ish. It might be around about that sort of number. Yeah, Definitely more than 50. If Kante can only play half of them, do you really want him for that? For £80 million when he's 30 years old? Probably not. So for us to be able to keep him, it's just a great thing to have in the squad. And let's be honest, if you put him with somebody else, the the beauty of Kante is what he brings that other people just can't bring. Jorginho and Kovacic both have their strengths and their weaknesses. So does Kante. But Kante brings something that the rest don't have. That they just don't have. Like, in terms of the defence, it gives freedom. You just think back to the Atletico Madrid game. Kovacic and Kante. Kante defended and won the ball back, gave it to Kovacic, and he just dribbled past everyone. More of that, please. More of that.
2: Yeah. You just... He's very unique, Kante. He's got all the energy in the world. He never stops running from minute one to the last minute. No, no. I don't think anyone, no one in the world really can do what Kante does. He's like, he's literally his own, his own special being. He's a, he's a wonderful human. And I think we are extremely, when we, 32 million. Looking now, how much of a bargain was that when we signed him from Leicester?
0: It's a massive bargain. I couldn't believe that we managed to get him, you know, like, remark like we finished 10th and then got Kante like what how (laughs) how did you get him (laughs) like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense oh what what a signing and (sighs) I can't really be asked to try and make this smooth at all so we're just going to move straight on speaking of
1: great signings what a goal from Ben Chilwell
0: yeah fair enough that was I was going the opposite side of the pitch but fair play that's better than I've done of Fernando Torres against Barcelona, anyone? There you go. It's
1: this whole yeah. What it's this whole reverse 2012
2: mess written that, in the stars.
1: Ah, uh, this like it's the uh, De Bois Fred that just makes me laugh every time because it keeps adding to it. It's like the last time like Chelsea conceded five to West Brom or something was in 2012 or something stupid like that, and it's just no. like. What is what is this, man? This can't be I don't even believe some of them are real, but I can't be asked to check. Last
0: time Chelsea lost to West Brom was 2012. Last time they conceded five in a game was 2012. Yeah. Uh that I mean there's like there's obviously there's so loads many. more of them. There's loads more. There's
1: so many. Like I would say upwards of like I don't know how many comparisons is like 40 plus something like last that. Time, last time
0: Chelsea sacked, um, a young coach in 2012. Chelsea sacked the young coach and brought in another one in 2012. Re- Rearranged 2012, and you can get 2021.
1: It's just it's, ridiculous. Honestly, it's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. We'll have to go through them uh, after, like after the second leg if we go through. There's a chance that it could be
0: quarterfinals, semi-finals, finals being Portuguese, Spanish, German,
1: English. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's
0: just bit, just it's loads awful. of them. Let's but, get carried away. As you say, talking about Ben Chilwell, there were large parts of that game where you wouldn't have known he was playing. Yeah, because Porto, I don't really know why, decided on attacking Dan Reese James's side the whole game. And despite being shut out time and time and time again by James and then Azpilicueta, they kept on going. And it wasn't anything on Ben Chilwell because he didn't do anything wrong at all. And then all of a sudden he pops up With the Asensio goal, literally a night later. (laughs) Yeah. A huge goal that is. Massive. What a huge confidence booster that is for Chilwell, who's been on and off, and he's struggled with form and confidence over the last year, which he's admitted, even when he was at Leicester. Alonso as well, challenging for his space. Exactly. And Alonso's usually the king in Europe. That was such a defensively solid game
2: from Ben Chilwell.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: That's huge. It's like he's... He's certainly improved on his defensive abilities over the past month or so. Like he's I was surprised that we played a back three and started Ben well. and obviously you know before I've always said that I think Alonso is probably my preferred wing back in terms of ability to go forward from that position. And uh although Alonso is not very good defensively I still would have said that I would have expected him to start but now I'm thinking that's a really very very, very good game from Ben Chirwell left at left wing-back. OK, it was against Porto, but it's the Champions League quarter finals, the pressure's there. Porto are a decent team, so perhaps now Tuchel's thinking, you know what, I know I've been choosing Alonso these past, well, since I've arrived at left wing-back, and Chirwell's not really been given a look in at that position. So maybe now is the time that that changes, and Ben will sort of takes that, takes that position, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case, because he was very, very good. It really is great competition to have. Like we spoke about it before, and just
0: in tradition, I'll let you know that I'd still want Marcus Alonso to leave Chelsea at the summer. Um yeah, like nice. I did a the time. But um it's great competition for the both of them. Because Marcus Alonso was pretty poor against West Brom, just like everyone was. You know, he didn't stand out as being poor, like there's no need to push it any further than the fact that he wasn't great, and he arguably as well deserved the start because Chilwell played for England. But when you've got the two battling out like that it's so good for the side. You know, you can see Chilwell starting against Palace. You know, hopefully we're in a good position. He can come off and you can rest key players like that for the second leg. I mean, do you think the fact that Chilwell might be feeling confidence from... Did he he start all three England games? He played well in all the ones that he played in. And there's... Whether it's... Whether he is or is not actually the first choice right uh, left back. That's gotta give you some confidence, hasn't it? To be picked by your national team manager and play like that?
2: Yeah, I think so. Certainly very good. I think Chill started two of the uh, two of the England games that were that they played and I mean, okay, it, it played San Marino and Poland, I think it was, and both those games he was probably I think he got a very good rating on I think it was who scored. they both gave him like 8.1 match ratings which was probably the best in the squad for those games so I think that I know they're all uh, he's probably still second choice left back to Luke Shaw at England for the England on current form right now but I, I think if he carries on like this Shaw's going to be Shaw's going to be shaking his boots because that position's certainly going to be uh, <laughs> that position's certainly going to be up for grabs come the Euros you know yeah, yeah, for sure. Shaking. Uh, yeah, boots. I mean, yeah. You sound I'm not like wrong. I, you sound I, I, like I fully I fully, like
0: I fully back. It. Luke Shaw. You sound like Chilwell is like threatening Luke Shaw right now. Like You're threatening left
2: back position.
0: Like in oh, a physical, shit. in a physical way,
1: shaking his boots. Chilwell a behemoth of a man. Don't mess. With him.
2: Come on. It's like it's like going to come to his house
1: and like dig him up. Not, it's like let's, what?
2: Let's not get this wrong. Very good left back competing with very good left back. There's only one outcome. Yeah. And Chilwell's taking that starting England spot. No,
0: That's a fair play. That's fair enough. Yeah. I think I think like I think I agree with you, Luca. Like sure. I think on form it'd be harsh not to have Shaw because of how good he's been for United in the last few months. Yeah. But then again, it does look like the fact that Chilwell got two starts Maybe Chilwell is the, is the is the first choice. As an England fan, I'm not particularly bothered who plays. I think they're both great options. And for Chilwell, something that he I think has struggled with has been his form, like in terms of in terms of consistency. Like he got it under Lampard, and then it dropped once he became the number one left back. And for Leicester again last year, he was brilliant for half a season. Knew that he was sort of coasting through. He had a big move coming at the end of the season, and then it all dropped off. I think keeping Chilwell on his toes is a huge part of keeping him consistent. And for England, he's got a competition now with Luke Shaw. And at Chelsea, he's got competition at wing-back with Alonso. And I think that is helping him stay really focused and like really, really try and push on.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's another, just like Frank Lampard had many conundrums with the squad choice. Now Gareth southgate has got a choice to make with England who does he go with? The way it's going now it's going to be very close but yeah, I think Ben Chilwell was going back to the main point we discussed at the start of this conversation. Ben Chilwell was fantastic last night and hopefully he can continue his form.
0: Yeah, and I I said it, like Chilwell I think went under the radar last night because he didn't have loads to do and then obviously pops up with the goal. Mentioned him earlier on, I think he was absolutely outstanding last night. Reese James was immense. Like, Like, Let's not forget, this is a good, this is a decent Chelsea squad, yeah, but Mount, first quarter-final, Rhys James, first quarter-final, first goal as well for Mount as well, Chilwell, first quarter-final, Mendy, first quarter-final, you know, the, lots of these players aren't massively experienced in the Champions League. Reese James showed such maturity and dominance last night. He was dominant from right back, he was, he ran the yeah. game right, he yeah, ran got-
2: the game Right back. Yeah, I'd have to see. and the, it was disappointing to see the ref so many times give free kicks against him for for challenges that were definitely for, that were definitely just not free kicks. Like the amount of times he just put in a good good shoulder charger or just a body off the ball was just great. And the ref so many times just pulled him up for it. And I think did he get booked for a challenge in the end? I wouldn't be surprised if he did because the ref was car no, happy yesterday. It was
1: really difficult. Oh, I I I disagree. I disagree very much on that. That the ref was card happy yesterday. I don't think he was at all. I think he was actually quite lenient in card giving. I thought he was very, perhaps a bit harsh on sort of giving, sort of like you said, shoulder charges or like bodying people off the ball, giving those as fouls. But that happened to both teams. But I think he was very lenient when it comes to cards. I think he was actually quite good at that. So.
2: Yeah, I was probably. Okay. Probably in the wrong there, probably just a bit frustrated that I don't yeah, take him back. I don't think he was probably card happy. I think I meant free kick happy because Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It was it was it was tough to see Reese James get pulled up a couple of times for challenges that were that were very, very good. But apart from it's, that he was the uh, James was superb.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what as well, with with James it's so annoying because he's clearly got this massive advantage on opponents because he's huge, you know, because he's absolutely huge and he's so strong. That he just eases them off. And that's a clear advantage for James, which he has earned by putting in the effort, the dedication in the gym to get big and that desire. And he's being punished for it because other players genuinely just can't compete with him. And it's disappointing on, on, on that level. So because can... Oh, sorry, no, go on. It, because it's such a big part of his game, is that strength. Like, genuinely, the way he chests a ball down is remarkable and the way that he just holds off defenders and gets his body in is insane, like genuinely insane. Like he is, right now, is performing at top five right-backs in the world. Like that's how good he's been this season. 21 years old, his second season, incredible.
2: Yeah, can't disagree with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's strange the fact that people still sort of somehow doubt his ability on a football pitch. I don't get it. I think people really sort of just underestimate him. And I don't know how. He's like if you put bloody Akinfenwa at right back, but he's like actually fit. He's got the strength of Akinfenwa, maybe not the entire, like total strength of Akinfenwa, but he's like, if Akinfenwa was like, it's like his son.
0: If he's you know, like, you know who he reminds me of, yeah, because you're making an absolute mess of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
1: yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say he's strong, but he's also quick and like very athletic. He reminds me of Yaya Torre at right back.
0: That's like he's a Rolls Royce at right back. He's just a bully Like you give him the ball and he will just like, he walks past people, mm. he glides past people with this just bullish attitude. And yeah. for 21 years old, For somebody who also, by the way, he didn't play stacks last season. Like, he didn't play loads under Lampard in his first season because of Azpilicueta. He's not the most experienced player. This is only his third season of, like, first-team football, I think. He is just playing with a level of maturity so, so far above how old he is. It is incredible. And, like we can get into it if you fancy, but th- this whole England right-back debate, yeah, Reese James mm-hmm. is definitely the second best, if not the best right-back at the moment for England, like 100%. Mm-hmm. It's Walker it's or James, and in terms of who's all-round a better player, I, th- I, I think it's Reese James.
2: 100%. Yeah, I, I'd agree.
0: And this fact that and again with Chilwell, the same as both of them. How good have they been? We don't massively think either of them are wing backs, aren't their preferred role. They are right backs and left backs. But yet here they are in wing backs, putting up two of our best performances last night, both from wing back in Europe in a game that they've never played anything to that, that sort of importance before in their life. Absolutely huge.
2: Mm-hmm. So yeah. impressive. Fantastic.
1: Well, I think before we go on to sort of the questions, because we got a lot of questions yesterday um, after the tweet we put out, more than I think we've ever had. So, before, but before we get to them, I don't know if you've seen the reports about Tammy, Abraham yeah. possibly on the move to West Ham in the summer. Um, what do you think about that?
0: I've seen it's from ex-West Ham United employee as well, and he is like... Reliable, like really reliable. um What do I think of the situation? I'm not surprised. Tammy has been excluded from this squad for a while now. He's. Some will say he's not been given a fair chance under Tuchel, and that is fair enough. He, in the sense that he's he's not been given a fair chance because Werner has been given chance and chance and chance after chance, despite being bang average at best. So in that sense, Tammy does deserve a chance, yeah. But for those people that claim that Tammy Abraham is just going to come back to Chelsea and if he plays and just start scoring goals, I don't believe it because we saw how shite Tammy was when he played. Although it was a couple of months ago, yeah? Bang average as well. He wasn't playing well. Uh, Let's be honest. I've accepted that Tammy Abraham isn't going to be at Chelsea, For he's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be that world-beater striker. He's done so well for us since he's been here, but he's not going to be that world beater. He's not going to get there. You might win leagues with him as a backup, but he's not going to win you a league. Mm-hmm. And the only thing which I think people people really are angry at is the fact that he's not had a chance and Werner has. And I get that. I do get that. But I don't think you can possibly sit there and say that Werner isn't actually a better player than Tammy Abraham. That's my opinion on, on, on it right now in terms of a transfer. If he's going to West Ham, just give us Declan Rice in return. Fuck it. Give, you know what? Tammy Abraham, 30, 40 million, 50 million. Yep. Declan Rice, do it, do it, do it. Just get it done. I think just, Tammy, Tammy and 30 mil, 100% get it done.
2: Yep. That's, that, yep. that's how
0: it would be. It would be sad, especially like. I see the video from the changing rooms. I think. Chilwell and Mount were taking a picture together as the goal scorers, and Tammy recorded it and was, like, taking the piss. And I just think it's really funny, um, but also really sad, because, like, Tammy's watching... He's that his... good character. He is, but Tammy is watching his mates achieve what he thinks he should be, because Tammy Abraham-Cleaner, yeah. he's, he's that level striker. And I have no doubt, by the way, that he'll go to West Ham and score goals. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we should sit there and say, oh, we really made a mistake here with Tammy. Because I don't think he's going to go... It's like Bamford. Did we really make a mistake
1: with Bamford? Not really. Not, not really. Not really. You he's definitely it. turned up for Leeds this season. I think more than a lot of people were expecting. But can you really call it like a, mis- a mistake on Chelsea's part? Probably not, unless he proves it again next season or the season after that.
0: Yeah, like Yeah, Chelsea don't have someone that's even getting 10 goals in the Premier League yet this season. But is it a mistake if they're getting 10, 15 goals in the Premier League? It's not a mistake until they get in twenty, twenty-five. Like Mohamed Salah's got 27 again. That's a mistake. Kevin De Bruyne's the best player in the Premier League. That's a mistake. I don't think somebody scoring 10 Premier League goals for
2: Leeds is a mistake.
1: Yeah, I'd
2: agree. It's it's been tough, tough, really, for Tammy. I mean... It would be nice to see Werner maybe just get a little bit of a rest because right now his his confidence is pretty much still on the floor. I think, but then again, you've got the likes of you've got Olivier Giroud on the bench as well as Tammy. So Tuchel's probably got to think, I have to keep both these players happy somehow. But I think it's it's tough really because obviously Giroud's on form, probably the the better player. He's he's played better than Tammy has for sure. So it's tough for Tammy really to. To sort of get a look in right now, I think whether Tuchel has still has trust in him to play well, I think that's kind of hard to answer. But if he goes to West Ham, I'm sure he'll do absolutely fine. Right now, they've got a striker; they've got Antonio there. Right now, he's he's tall, he's strong. They play to his strengths, and Tammy's very very similar to Antonio. So I think if he went, he'd he'd fit right in. He'd score goals. So mm-hmm. if he goes, he's 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 going to go. I mean, he'll definitely. I think he'll do well. But it's Time's running out of him at the minute. It's sad that Tuchel hasn't been able to bring him back into a team to give him a run out to to sort of try and regain his confidence. It would be nice to see that with with how Werner's playing. But I mean, if he goes, he goes. Fair play to him. It's been tough, but yeah, best if he does go. Best of luck to him. That's all I've got to say.
0: Like I, I see a lot of, and I go on to you, Obviously, You asked the question, but sort of just yeah, taken yeah. over. Nice, right? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> lukaku in this like i think moving to a west ham would be a really good move for all pies west ham get a a good striker somebody maybe probably like that completely matches where they are as a club and where they want to go like if west ham continue on their spiral like tammy abraham could get could continue to develop with west ham Mm -hmm. and for chelsea I'm sure they would probably include a buyback clause in there for Tammy Abraham if they want him, because they do that. That wouldn't be a bad thing either. And just like, and Tammy Abraham can say, look, I'm, I'm here, I've got a new club, I can try and develop. I think it would be good for everyone. I don't see it being bad. I just don't want everyone to overreact and slate the club for what they've done here, because let's be, let's be brutal here. Tammy Abraham has had opportunities this season, and he's not been great. Yeah, he has six Premier League goals, but he's not been great. He wasn't great under Lampard. People were doubting him under Lampard. Yeah, he has been treated unfairly because of how much he played Werner, despite his poor form. But Tammy hasn't exactly said, pick me, pick me, pick me, every time he's played on the pitch.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, I definitely think it's the right move for both parties, especially if we're getting Declan Rice in return. Um especially. And uh yeah, that's I think you you guys have covered everything that I was thinking, so do should we go on to some questions?
0: Yeah, we'll give you um should we give OJ the first um the first question considering he asked us a question and then we just Okay. Took that's- it away from him. No,
1: it's not. I didn't I didn't want to talk about it. I was just saying I was asking you guys for your opinions, but go on. Go for it. So the uh
0: the first question, we'll go for one of the serious ones, comes from uh, RJ um from the Chelsea social. Big up to RJ, what a fella. Um had his question answered on the byline as well after the West Brom game. Um he says, Hey champions, keen to get your thoughts on what you think should be the game plan for the return leg. Should we stay as we were or look to change it up a bit? Maybe uh, more defensive or perhaps more aggressive with the ball. Uh, and then also, do you think Hudson-Odoi and or Tammy will get a look in at some point? So, game plan, stick or twist, and Tammy and Hudson-Odoi.
1: Um, I'm going to say game Plan twist. I would like to not see us be so. I think this is this is because Porto are getting back their two, arguably their two best players. Definitely their two best players going forward for the return leg. So, in my eyes, if they pressed us as much as they did yesterday, then they're going to be even more deadly pressing us like that again if we stay in the same sort of defensive mindset for the first 25-30 minutes Um, so either we get more aggressive and really grip the game like Lucas said earlier by the scruff of the neck or sort of I don't know, I think leaving it to chance like that and sticking with the game plan is probably a bit I don't know, it doesn't entirely fill me with confidence Um, I wouldn't entirely change the the style but yeah, I think if they're perhaps looking to sort of tackle their um, their, their best two forwards, I would probably look to, to change it up and perhaps not uh, be uh, not allow ourselves to be pressed so uh, far out the pitch. don't know what you guys think.
2: Yeah, yeah I, mean, no, I, I pretty much agree, yeah. I think that in terms of yeah, stay, stay in terms of formation, maybe stay the same. But how R J said when he said perhaps be more aggressive with the ball. I think we should also be aggressive, like I said, without the ball, take the game, take the game to them early on. Don't let them, don't be as passive early on because early on yesterday they had a lot of the ball, a lot of chances, but which they just weren't clinical with enough. Which was lucky for us really because we were caught out many times. So I think early on we need to take the game. We need to put them under a lot of pressure early on, get a hold of the game. Because then once we get hold of the game early on, I think that with the 2-0 lead, I think we'll have all the confidence in the world to just go forward, attack them more, and hopefully just kill the game off maybe in the first half or even the second half. So go at them early on and I think we'll be fine. Get control of the game.
0: I mean, if you look at it like this, Porto had nothing to lose yesterday and they have nothing to lose. They have even less to lose now, next week. Like, no one expected them... To get past juventus and they did it no one expected them to get past chelsea so they have got basically a free hit with their best players coming back to go and attack chelsea at a neutral ground they've got a chance that and they will be that i'm sure they will be fearless porto have literally nothing to lose it's all in chelsea's basket now to lose like let, let's get that very very straight and this isn't underestimating them this is just the truth um So that'll be hard because I do think they will come out at us again. But Chelsea have to look at it like this. One goal and that is tie over. Porto need four if Chelsea get one. That that just won't happen. I think, though, with the way that Tuchel obviously clearly knows that the attack isn't free-firing, that we will set up the same way. We will set up to be defensively solid and maybe hit them on a counter-attack and look to be just more clinical on a counter-attack. I don't think we will try and not take the game to them because we do. We're like, we, we obviously want to, but I think with Kante, we will be we will look to be able to like, actually press them a little bit more because I think we were fearful of pressing too high with the fact that Jorginho and Kovacic would leave space um, and aren't great defensively anyway. As for Hudson-Odoi and Tammy, we just covered Tammy. I don't see him getting... I, I thought... I genuinely thought he was going to be important during these last couple of weeks of the season. Like I say last, you know, last couple of months of the season. Yeah. It doesn't look like he's going to get his chance, really. He, he might play a game or two here or there, but it doesn't look like Tuchel's exactly interested in playing him, which is a shame. As for Hudson Odoi, I think he, he will be huge. I think he will play. Expect to see some of him at the weekend, and I think he probably would have come on against West Brom had it not been for Pulisic's injury at some point. Wouldn't worry about. I don't know at all.
1: Yeah, I don't know whether I think Reese James was probably too good against Porto in that first leg defensively solid like we spoke about earlier for Cho to sort of get a look in, at least in the return leg. Um maybe resting Reese at the weekend or maybe after um after the return leg uh, from Porto and, and Cho getting a look in after uh, perhaps in between the Second leg of the quarterfinal, if we make it through, um, and and the and the semi final. So, I think Cho would be really good to sort of play to rest Reese, but I think Reese is starting ahead of him for me, uh, especially after last night.
0: I think also as well, Luca. Before we go to you, Hudson Adore is like in a first rotation basis, isn't he? He he is. We've obviously got fit wingers. Hudson-Odoi can play wing-back and as a 10 in behind a striker. We've seen that Tuchel will still play Werner up front. If Depending on what Tuchel wants to do next Tuesday, Hudson-Odoi might start at the weekend in one of the front positions. I imagine James will probably start against Palace, but Hudson-Odoi is like that first wave of subs, that first next yeah. change, which is where we needed him to be. Months ago, we asked for this. We said, if he's not starting him, we need him to be the, the first back, the first change, and I do still think that's where he is. Do you agree, Luca? Yeah. We know you love Hudson Adoy. Yeah.
2: I think, well, yeah, right now Hudson Odoi is the is the first sort of first backup to Reece James, and so he should be really. I mean, I wouldn't, I would be surprised if he didn't if he didn't start against Palace at the weekend, Hudson Adoy. But then again. I think whoever starts I think will be absolutely fine. I think rhys James has shown that he can start quite a few games in a row he's more than he's more than fit enough to do so but I think it would be good for him to get a, get some game time maybe a start against Palace just to get that game fitness back up after he's come back with the with the under 21s so I'd like him to start against Palace but I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't and obviously come next Tuesday I think rhys James will be back in, back starting against Porto so yeah I'm, I'm happy whoever starts but it would be nice to see I really get a start against Palace just to get that Chelsea game time back up yeah alright yeah. next question then
1: next question do is, we want to go with
2: Harry we go uh, yeah can do shall I read it out go for it so question from Harry he says all our attackers struggled to get involved last night but Havertz had the least impact for him and he seemed to struggle to fit in and find any form What's his best position for us, and how do we get the best out of him? He's obviously a talented player, but doesn't fit the system. Yeah, and I think
1: amazing. he answered. He answered. He gave a follow up as well. He said, "Would Werner benefit more from having someone like Tammy or Giroud at striker than Havertz at false nine? If
0: I don't think it's that he doesn't fit the system, because we've seen Havertz play well in both legs of Atletico Madrid when he featured. We saw him play brilliantly against Everton. We saw him struggle against Leeds in a game that we just weren't free flowing. And against last last night, it wasn't particularly his fault. Um, I think anybody, I think Harland would have struggled up front last night. You know, like for us, like it. it the, the radar for many of the passes was so off. I do think Havertz's best position is as a false nine, and I do think Werner can play off him. But when both of them are horribly out of form. Um what are you meant to do about it? I think it's it's hard for them both like anybody playing with Werner's is gonna look shit at the moment because he he's making it really hard to play with him, let's be honest.
1: Yeah. Um To be completely honest, I'm not entirely sure how we get the best out of Havertz. Um I think Havertz as a false nine is The right way to go but Havertz especially when playing with Werner both of them need good uh, what's the word I'm looking for here good uh, oh Jesus I've had a stinker they both need uh, good like not link up play but
2: good service
1: service service is exactly the word I'm looking for they both need really good service uh, because otherwise like we saw last night they're not going to get into the game um and yeah he's he obviously is a talented player like you said Tom seems to think he does fit the system um which i am inclined to agree with um i think Roberts can play in any system
2: but uh, yeah I don't, f- main, I don't
1: think it's i don't think it's the system thing. yeah
2: we've got we've got to play to his strengths don't you think because last yeah. night it was sort of it was long it was most of the time it was long ball to Timo Werner that just didn't that just didn't work out. And Timo Verna's not the man you want to be playing long ball to for him to try and get it down from from above him and control it and play on from there. That's a Giroux sort of tactic, isn't it, really?
0: I don't think that was the game plan. I don't think we set out to do that. I genuinely think we were probably quite surprised. about um, how Porto came at us and then didn't really react well enough to playing it through the middle. I just think that was sort of our natural reaction was, oh, we can keep the ball around the back, but then we have to go long. I don't think the game plan was to go long. And if the game plan was to go long, well that is quite dull, to be honest, because it's not that's not Havertz's job. I think Havertz is still going to be absolutely fine. We've seen what he can do. I do think he benefits from I do think Werner definitely benefits from having a tool to play with him. But again, last night, it's got to be in defeat. it's got to be people in defeat, not just lumping it up aimlessly. Air, so yeah. play, you can play direct, yeah. but we didn't play direct. We played long ball with we're, "We're in trouble. Let's kick it, Let's kick it.
1: All right. Uh, we'll go with Jam next, and we'll leave another question <laughs> to the last. Uh, a little cheeky, funny question from Jam. It just says, West Brom over Porto question mark. 100 percent. I mean, you
0: can't argue with that, can you? The maths no. just explain themselves.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's. I think yeah. that's all we need to say. To be honest, I, <laughs> we, we agree <laughs> with that.
0: Yeah, I'll ask a
1: follow-up.
0: I'll ask a follow-up question, yeah, because I, I think it's you've got. We've got to get this stat in here. Callum on. Robinson, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: In three Premier League games against Chelsea has scored five goals.
1: Yeah,
0: in thirty-nine Premier League games, not against Chelsea. He scored zero goals. How much money do we spend on Callum Robinson in the summer? (laughs) How much? Oh,
1: Jesus. Well, if you can't beat and buy him. 100%. They're
2: going down, so we'll probably get him for for a five five
1: mil. To spend five
0: mil on him. We genuinely haven't beaten him yet, have we? We we drew to Sheffield United last. And yeah. now we've drawn and lost to West Brom this season. Yeah.
1: He's,
0: he's, he's a, a champion striker. His numbers say it, yeah? Just get him in the championship and keep him there and lock him in there.
1: There you go. Right. Should go final question? We should
0: have got Agent yeah. Gallagher or Agent Ampadu to, something, to do something about it.
1: Fairs. Right. Final question from my good friend Michael Longstaff. Uh, He says, does Timo Werner have a long-term future at Chelsea, or is he just the new Fernando Torres? Uh, I did message him after I saw him comment on this. uh, And just said, he loves, I, I will preface this by saying, he loves to slander Werner. He loves, he is all about the anti-Werner propaganda. He loves it. Who do you support? He's an Arsenal fan. Um, well. I'll mm. just read you some of the messages he sent me from last night. Uh, Werner's ability to finish is below abysmal. Every time I switch to the Chelsea game, it's Werner missing. Uh, and then he said, uh, Hamadou Bonsu would have buried it. Uh, what? <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, but... Is Timo Werner does he have a long term future at Chelsea or is he just the new Fernando Torres? Uh, I think you, I think I think you know the answer to the question that we're going to give. Um, Tom, do you want to go first? I'll let you go first.
0: I am still more than confident in Timo Werner to be a success at Chelsea, and that was only heightened yesterday actually when I watched something about Andy Cole. Um, in, on, like, Premier League Legends or something. And Andy Cole took a fair while to score goals for Manchester United. He didn't start his career at Manchester United very well. Mm-hmm. And then he absolutely hit it off. And yeah. people kept on saying to Andy Cole, um, you, like, you're going to be absolutely fine. You're a great striker. You know how to score goals. We've seen that. You scored goals. you scored goals. I feel exactly the same about Timo Werner. It will come. He has got problems. He has. Yeah. Like we're not going to hide that. The guy does need an incredible amount of chances to score goals. Yeah. But I still have more. I still have a lot of faith that he's going to score goals for Chelsea Football Club. But I really do. He, the guy is shot for all confidence. He really is. Yeah. And but he keeps on going. He keeps on giving his all. I like that when he stops, doing that, maybe we have to start thinking. And we need to give him next season. Halfway through next season, we will we will know. Halfway through Morata's second season, we knew he was gone. Yeah, we knew it. A lot of people wanted Morata gone at the end of the first season. I wanted Morata gone at the end of the first season. I will not be doing that with Timo Berner. I don't think... Let's say, if he's the new Fernando Torres, yeah? Yeah, he's a flop. But if he does even half of what Torres did, if he can take us to a to a Champions League and the Europa League and go close to the Premier League. If he can be here during successful times at Chelsea, then he'll have done well. I like Timo Werner. I do. He, he right now, it angers me almost more than any other player. And I really don't quite see why we're playing him that much. But I still see him. I think he'll be a success. He might not be 40 goals a season like we thought he might be. But he will score goals for Chelsea.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, calling yeah. him the new Torres at this point is very, very, very harsh. I think I know Michael's an Arsenal fan, so he probably wants us to nibble or something. But I think calling him the top <laughs> new Torres, the new is very, very harsh. I mean, like Tom said, I think we have to give him until ne- give him time, give him next season. I think this is probably the best case of giving a player time we could we can probably think of right now. I think next season. I think when the season's finished, Werner can just have a have a bit of a break really from it all and just recover and find some more confidence. I think I know goals do probably need to start coming at some point. I think if he can get a couple of goals maybe before the end of the season, that would be huge for him. But I think long term future, definitely. New Torres, definitely not. But as as I think we all do. I think we all have faith in Timo Werner and he's no doubt gonna be a success. So we've just got to hope that next season he can he can start well and hopefully just things go right for him, because he's he's a great guy, great player, and I think we just all want him to succeed, don't we? So, yeah, I'm I'm backing Timo Werner. Sounds good to me, mate. Do you just, like, I've seen a lot of
0: arguments about Werner's stats, and I, I don't know them exactly, but he's got, like, eight assists and ten goals this season. On the face of it, not bad. In fact, pretty good, actually, for a first season, especially for a guy that has been so poor. Let's not sugarcoat this. Timo Werner has been shit. Yeah, he has. He has clogged up a side of the pitch for nearly all season. He has been so much worse than we all thought he has. And he has missed an unbelievable amount of chances. And outside of his missed chances, he has been almost unplayable and unusable. And I don't think that's being particularly harsh on him either. I think that's the truth. He really has not been good. However, eight assists is good. He wins penalties. I like it. He runs in behind and offers us something completely different to what we've had in other strikers. I like it. The danger is always there. He doesn't stop trying. And if this is the worst it gets for Timo Werner, which it probably will because it can't really get much worse, 10 goals and eight assists isn't bad. And I'm not sugarcoating it because I know he's actually been really bad like on the pitch, but it's not bad for involvements even though he's not been good. I think yes, like no, the, eight, the, eight, the eight assists at minimum, yeah, half his goals have been penalties, needs to change, but eight assists still is, is pretty decent. It's more than Mount's had this season. Yeah, like
2: 18 goal involvements, I think. Very, very good. I know at the start of the season, everyone said, oh, he's going to come to the Premier League. He's going to win the golden boot, the Premier League golden boot. Oh, 25 goals. Oh, I think you've got to remember the Bundesliga is not the same as the Premier League, as many people say. Every league is different. So I think when you look at 18 goal involvements in all competitions in uh, this season, I think it's very, very good. I, I, you didn't get the 25, 30 goals that everyone expected him to get in the league, but 18 goal involvements are still very, very good. So... It's been it's been a rubbish season, but those stats just he's he's done good. It's he, been terrible, but he's he's we're gonna he's done terrible, but eighteen goal involvements is still quite good. That's what I'm trying to say. He definitely. He definitely <laughs> I, has
1: think to... he's, I, I think terrible is a bit harsh, but you have to remember as well when he played at Leipzig in the Bundesliga, it was all focused on him and getting him goals. Because that was how Leipzig used to win games, was giving, just, just giving Timo as many chances as they could. And he would eventually score like three or four a game. And it was just ridiculous. Like, I don't think it, he scored t-
0: 120 goals last season.
1: Well, no, he, he definitely did. I mean, that, that, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm looking into the future. I'm spoiling next season for everybody. I'm sorry, right. I'm sorry. Chelsea win the league with a 400-goal difference. And Timo Werner's... Uh, got 120 goals
0: but (laughs) before that you were actually making a good point
1: yeah um but yeah no I think I think you have to remember that this system isn't fully about Timo Werner he needs to find his place in England find his place um sort of like find his feet it's just in 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 not in life in general but he needs to adjust to what he used to have and what he has now, where he is now, um, and it, it, we say it—I'm fairly certain—we've made this point so many times. It's all about time. Just give him time. People are way too negative, way too harsh, really early on into a player's career, and it can—it it, like players read stuff. It they it does damage them, and if people are constantly spouting like shit about a player, that's young up and coming and, and has perhaps not had the best game or is perhaps in a bad run of form and a bit of right of confidence and they read themselves getting absolutely slated on the timeline, then it's not going to help them. It's going to make them play even worse. And then it's just going to feed and feed and, and it's just a vicious circle. But, you know, back your young players. Look, I know Michael really likes Pakayo Saka and, and Pakayo Saka is a great player. He's a great young young player in the Premier League. And so is Timo Werner. It's going to happen for both of them. Time just needs to to happen.
0: And as well, as well, and this might be excuses, whatever. Timo Werner has not played a game in front of fans. Well, he's not played in front of Mm -hmm. fans yet. He's not able to see his mates yet. He's not going to be comfortable in England yet. It is still his first season. I would never, ever write somebody off after one season of the Maratta because his attitude stank Um, which is a completely different story Werner's attitude doesn't stink he keeps on going he keeps on yeah he makes mistakes and he makes a lot of the same mistakes but you can see that he still wants it he hasn't given up Uh, um, and that's it that is important I think OJ the word that you use, which is so right is adapt he has to adapt things have to change like His touch has to improve. Like it just has to. You can't be a winger in the Premier League, a winger slash striker in the Premier League without a touch. You you just can't. Whether you're big, small, Giroud or Aguero, like whatever you want to be, fast, (laughs) slow, big, small, whatever, you have to have a touch. And Vernon just doesn't. It's non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. That if that comes, then it will be so much better because. Given his sporadic finishing, that will get better. He will score them. The touches need to be able to create them at the moment. Because when you give him the ball, it just looks like he loses it. Because he can't take a guy on that needs to change. Other than that, he's fine. He will score goals. He's Timo Burner.
2: There you go. Well said.
1: Well said. On that double, Tammy. On that double, Tammy. On that double, Timo. On that double, Tammy. It's been a pleasure being back.
0: And we will bring you more Blue Crew content next week, maybe next Wednesday, um, with Chelsea hopefully and potentially in a Champions League semi-final.
1: It would certainly be a lovely thing to see.
2: Yeah, will be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say here. Thanks for but that. Yeah. <laughs> we are so useless. Uh, <laughs> that pause was
1: incredible.
0: We're so bad at outros. It
1: felt like so long. Oh, that was that's that was amazing. We've lost the map. Bye we'll bye. Yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: Cool.